Welcome in, everybody. Welcome to the first of uh, what will be many, many episodes of the Race to the Kingdom video slash podcast. Uh, we are happy that you found us and are looking forward to over the next year or two, or however long God has us last, uh, giving you guys some great information that is, um, you're, you're, we don't think you're going to find in too many other places. Uh, so I'm Robert. I am your host for these uh, episodes. Uh, beside me on the screen to my uh, right, uh, you'll see Keith. Keith, say hi to everybody. Introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. I'm Keith. Welcome to our podcast. So a little background on us. Keith is uh, a longtime uh, uh, follower in Christ. He had a sports ministry called Cross Train, where he trained athletes, specifically tennis players, to compete and play at very high levels, uh, but did it within an outreach environment of also bringing them into uh, Christ's word and Christ's path and uh, amazing work with that. Uh, me, I'm, I'm kind of a newbie to this. I've really been walking the path for about three years seriously. Uh, I got saved through a wild at heart uh, John Eldridge uh, outreach camp. And um, in the last year or so, Keith and I have been uh, doing a Bible study and, and he has been teaching me some stuff that he found. And about six months ago, we talked about bringing the information that Keith has really spent about a decade digging into and been given by, by God, by the Holy Spirit, to more than just me and his students. So that is race to the kingdom.org. Uh, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch over here. I got to share my screen so you guys can see what's going on. And um, we have a presentation we're going to walk you guys through. And I think you're going to find it really uh, to be quite informative. So, Keith, um, here we go. Episode one. I'm excited. Uh, we've been, it's taken a long time for us to get here. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, excited too. Yeah. Guys, God's journey is, is really much more, or the journey to God's kingdom is really much more than what really we've been taught as um, as Christians, you know, go to church every Sunday, be a nice person, you know, those kinds of things are kind of, you know, tithe, uh, you know, follow the Ten Commandments, those kinds of things. Those are the kinds of things that we've been taught, um, you know, don't sin, uh, you know, but oh, we're failures as sinners. We, we were we we're built to sin thanks to Adam, and you know there's there's something missing in it. One of one of the things I really grew attached to with John Eldridge's ministry was the idea that that something was missing. That modern Christianity watered down Christ's message to the point that it didn't appeal to many people. Uh, they just didn't feel like they had a place, and and that was certainly me. And so. Um, Keith, when I met Keith and we started going through Bible study together and stuff, and he started to explain to me what, uh, what he found was missing. Um, I was just amazed. Uh, it just, all of this stuff is there in the Bible. You just, most of us don't know how to get to it. Most of us, uh, are, are just not exposed to it. So, so we're going to expose you guys to it. Um, you're going to find some things that we're going to talk about maybe a little hard to hear. You're going to find some things that we're going to talk about absolutely counter to what you've been taught at Sunday school or uh, sitting in a pew at a, a, you know, at a corporate church. Um, but stick with us and we're going to prove each time we go into something, we're going to prove it out with scripture, uh, with, you know, concordance definitions. We're going to prove it. And if we don't prove it, we're going to ask you to challenge us and, and, and help us disprove it. And so we can adjust what we, what we think as well. So today we're going to talk about uh, the theology of the race, um, our racetrack. Uh, Keith has done a really great job of, of, you know, being a sports guy. And I'm a really, I'm a hockey guy, not a tennis guy, but I, I, I love sports. I coached as well. Um, and he's adapted this over to, 
this racetrack analogy that we hope helps break things down for you guys. Uh, it did for me. Uh, again, we hope it does for you. Talk about the dispensations or, or the ages of uh, within the Bible, what our current age is, what's happening, and what we can look forward to uh, if we run our race well. This is a 30,000 foot overview. Future episodes are going to dig into uh, a lot more stuff. This is kind of our chapter or our episode roadmap. Keith, walk uh, walk everybody through this. I've talked too much already. <laughs> no, not at all. I I uh, I did want to uh, point out. I've coached for thirty five years, and you know, every time that you have the privilege of coaching a team, I always got them together. Um, you know, at the beginning of every season. And I laid out a overview of the season and gave the goals and of of what to expect. And so this map is really kind of a reflection of that. So when we look at the race, we are actually looking at a um, you know an overview of the Bible. We're looking at an overview of the call to race and to finish the race, which is what Paul in particular uh, um, has said in Christ, that we need to you know, go on to finish this race and fight the good fight and keep the faith. So we, l- looking at this roadmap right here, we're looking at a picture of the garden down at the bottom. We're looking at the race beginning right outside that garden. And we're looking at different fueling stations along this path. So all the water wells represent the fueling stations that we want to teach. We want to teach the episodes one by one that pertain to this race theology. Um, The canteens represent further fueling along the way that we want to teach the word of God. And the pitfalls that represent the teaching that we believe has been twisted, has been um, adapted, you know, and just Om- lost omitted. some of the stuff that, yeah, that mm-hmm. we want to overturn. We call it myth busting. <laughs> so we take uh, that show, Mythbusters, because we enjoy that. And we love to take the evidence of scripture and then show how the teaching has gotten off. And so we, we, we just challenge you guys to look at it yourselves. Be a good Berean. Don't take our word for it. A good Berean in the book of Acts was a noble-minded uh, man or woman who looked intently into the scriptures themselves to confirm what was being said. And so that's our encouragement to you guys. And uh, it's our privilege to take you through this as a coach would be teaching his team about what to expect during the season, where you're headed, what the goals are, and then what, you know, what the, the challenges will be, what the pitfalls might be along that, that season. So hope you enjoy this. Yep. So you guys see as you go through these episodes, you're going to recognize this. We'll do this on every one of our vidcasts. If you happen to listen, be listening to this as a podcast, we would encourage you to finish listening to it as your podcast and then in a pop into YouTube and, and check out uh, Race to the Kingdom channel and take a look at some of the graphics. It'll help you with uh, kind of understanding things. You'll see today race theology is highlighted. You're going to find that uh, highlight moves around the, the map as we go through our episodes. So... All right, to dive in uh, to where we're going to be. So similar to that race, we've got this overview map that we've developed, the racetrack for the overview map. You know, there's a gap. You know, the the previous maps started in in Eden and ended in Eden. Today, we've got a gap in this because something happened in Eden, didn't it, Keith? (laughs) Yeah. So this is the model. This is the model we want to explain and just, um, you know, teach to you guys that this same pattern has happened throughout history. 
has has happened throughout the history of the Bible, which is called the Old Covenant. And then this same pattern is offered in the New Covenant. And so when you see the giver of life, the creator of all creation, um, starting us in the beginning, in a garden, in a place where we get to commune with him, where we get to have privileges with him. I'm going to read out of the book of Genesis to show us that. And then to move out of the garden into that next image that you see there in Genesis, which was, you know, even Adam downtrodden. They're disappointed because they lost their privileges. They knew they messed and up. That, that, yeah, they messed up, you know, <laughs> and they ended up, uh, you know, taking the consequences of that. And that actually began the race. And so we're going to speak to that. Um, but as an opener, I, I do want to open the book of Revelation, I mean, of Genesis, because I really need to make our foundation in the scriptures themselves. And so that you can go to these passages and look at them and pray over them and glean the information. So again, remember, this is going to be an overview. So I'm going to start in the book of Genesis, you know, God, chapter one, in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. And so he starts to form everything. The, the spirit of God is hovering over the waters and he's speaking everything into existence. And then we get to, we get to. Uh, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So right away, we're given a privilege. We're given dominion. So what you're going to notice is that in every dispensation that we talk about, which is a period of time. You can call it an age. The Bible talks about ages, and it also uses the word dispensation. And so it just means a period of time, and it could be different lengths of time. But right here in this dispensation of the garden, we see in the beginning. And so every time we see how God created um, dispensations, we're going to refer to four seasons. God created seasons. So we're going to refer to spring, summer, fall, and winter. So in every dispensation, those four seasons exist. And they all represent the same thing. So in this, the spring season represents creation. It represents new life, new birth. Okay, And then everything that was given at that time. And so God starts off creating um, everything, creating man is in his image, and then blessing them and giving them dominion. And so picking it up in verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the heavens, over the fish of the sea, and over the birds, over the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed on the face of the earth. It's going to be good for food. So right away, he's giving them life. So this is springtime. We all love springtime. Okay. And, and then he continues this in chapter two, giving a little bit greater detail. And, but I want to read here from verse 15, which I'm going to um, equate this to summertime. So as spring goes into summer, we are given the opportunity to live out what God has given us. So this is practical living. Okay, God, thank you for all you've given. Now let me walk with you, talk with you, live, and, and live the life that you have given me. So... In verse 15, the Lord took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not, not eat it. In that day you eat it, you shall surely die. So what does God give for the summertime? He gives instruction on how to live. Okay, And he gives a warning. And so this is the same theme that we see in every dispensation. And so this, again, we know the story. Uh, most of you understand that, you know, Adam needed a helper. Eve was created, brought to Adam so that they could join together and live this life out that God uh, designed for them. And it also had an opponent. Like any good race or competition, there is a challenger that we must overcome. So God tests the testing that he puts in every dispensation is common to every dispensation. He tests our faith. He tests our allegiance. And so we go into now verse, uh, I'm going to take you to chapter 3. Because we're going to look at the season of fall. The season of fall always comes the greatest challenges. Okay? The greatest challenges to our faith where um, you have an opportunity to either be an overcomer or be overtaken. And so in this story, in the beginning, we start reading in chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. That becomes a very important verse, because he was standing there with Eve. Both of them were aware of God's warning. Both of them were aware of God's instruction to them on how to live. And the enemy comes in to try to persuade them to get off that path. And so we're here where the eye, you know, then when they gave in to temptation, the eyes of them were open and they were, they realized that they were ashamed and that they were naked. And so they went and hid. And so again, that is the fall. Fall represents that stage. And then we get into the next stage, which is winter. And uh, winter does mean the judgment that God brings to that dispensation and, and in particularly to his people um, that he needs to correct and he needs to take them to the consequences of what had happened. And so we're going to pick that up in verse uh, 14 of the same chapter where God meets out his judgment and he says the lord god said to the serpent because you have done this cursed are you above all livestock above the beasts of the field on your belly you shall go the dust you shall eat all the days of your life i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel so we know don't we robert that this passage is a promise right away in the garden, right? Mm -hmm. So we know it as a promise given by God that even though you're going to experience winter, I'm going to give you some hope. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. At the end of this story, uh, you know, you're, you're setting, you know, he's setting up this, he's setting up the story for the, you know, he's setting up the whole story, right? Right. That, yep. that sets up, the entire book, right? If, 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 uh, Adam and Eve had not eaten from the tree, this is a different book, right? This is a different view. We're not sitting here, uh, talking to people about how, how the evils, you know, changed the message and how, uh, you know, all the things that have happened in the last, uh, however many thousands of years this has been, you know, uh, have happened and, and why we're, where we're at, you know, we're, we're doing something completely different. And, uh, that, that whole, 
that whole passage basically just sets up, you know, if this is a Stephen King book, this is the pivot point at the beginning of the book where mm. the entire book is built off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, in that, in that judgment, though, we are given a promise of hope. And, and so yeah. in every dispensation, what you're going to, what you're going to realize is that from the wreckage comes another springtime, the hope of spring that you can begin again and you can now um, keep racing towards the fulfillment of a new promise of hope. And so this promise given in Genesis was the hope of another ruler coming to crush the rule of this serpent that ended up taking over in the garden. So since Adam and Eve gave their allegiance to another, you know, another master, mm-hmm. they, they listened to him. They chose his path rather than God's path. He was given, you know, rulership. So the usurping of the rule and how many times he's called now the ruler of this world um, you know, plays out throughout the Bible. Yeah. And uh, so but that's important to understand. I think it's fair to say that, that, you know, and is, is, is actually graphically represented by the racetrack is that, you know, God wanted us to walk in the garden in the cool of the day with him. And that's still what he wants. And, you know, everything that's happened since this passage has been an effort to get us back to the spot where we can walk in the cool of the garden with him. That's right. Right. And so I mean, that, that, yeah. And that'll lead us into a very crucial explanation of death and salvation. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, and that's the road of the, you know, the road path to, to restoration is the message of salvation. Mm-hmm. It really is. And so to know that we have a, a ruler that needed to come to lead us into that ultimate salvation is the message of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so, you know, getting to that dispensation, which we're going to get, get into here in a little bit, and we're going to start teaching um, predominantly in that dispensation, mm-hmm. um, you know, is going to be quite exciting. But yeah. right here, as we go through, you know, God's judgment to the serpent, we go through God's judgment to Eve, mm-hmm. you know, we go through God's judgment to Adam, and that ended winter time because they then lost a lot of the original privileges and blessings. And they're now, as you can see in verse 20, they're now um, given a new opportunity to live their life a different way. So when they were kicked out of the garden and they lost the privilege of being in that position and being given that land. And then in verse 20, the man called um, his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living and the Lord God made, uh, uh, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim of flaming sword that turned every which way to guard them from the tree of life. And so Adam and Eve then bore children. So a new beginning, a new life. They, they had Cain and Abel, but now that life was filled with difficulty and challenges that God hadn't originally set up. But mm-hmm. he did make provision for them. So he gave them new garments, and he said, okay, you're still going to have to endure 
okay? You're still going to have to endure the consequences, but I'm still offering you, you know, hope and life. And now this is the new beginning for you. And so that started a new dispensation. So when we look at the racetrack, we see that the race began the moment we were kicked out of the garden. Mm -hmm. And then springtime began at that moment in the new dispensation. We go from Adam and Eve into Noah. So a new dispensation begins with Noah. That dispensation then goes from the Tower of Babel, okay, which leads to the destruction of the earth by a flood. So again, so we have, winter time in that time, right? I mean, so yeah, Babel was yeah. fall, and mm -hmm. and the yeah. flood was winter time. It was the judgment. That's right. So sin progressed, and the choice to sin, you know, started to um, bring, you know, the the death of God's blessings. So again, death means separation. So in its in its root state, in, in the, the word for death means separation. So we saw that in the book of Genesis, it, what was the real true meaning of death? It wasn't a physical death right away, okay? But it was separation from the tree of life, which mm -hmm. provided that, that physical state, right. okay, forever and ever. And it's a separation so, from... You know, yeah. I, I keep using the, the the vernacular, but the you know, walking in the in the cool of the day with with God. You know, if think about separation from, let's assume that you had a great relationship with your father, and you guys got to spend you know weekends sitting on a, a bank on a river, you know, catching fish or you know working on cars or whatever it is you did with your 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 dad, your parent structure that was special to you and that you made you too tight or if you didn't have that what you wanted to do you know in field of dreams it was i just wanted to have a catch with my dad right it's how they ended the movie right he got to have a catch with his dad right it's that separation is that is what we're talking about right um we yeah. had that we had the ability to to, to play catch with our dad and we lost <laughs> yeah. that ability. It was, t you know, we, and it was through actions of, in this case, Adam, I was going to say our own actions, but we're, we're not held accountable for action, Adam's actions, but we are his offspring. We are, we, you know, it's not our fault that Adam screwed up, but we are also, well, we do have to bear the consequences that Adam screwed up. Right. Yeah, and that's a that's a um, an important theology as we carry that throughout the racetrack um, of Jesus coming to be the last Adam, mm -hmm. and so the Bible really explains that very very well in the Book of Romans, and we will get we will actually get to a very important study on how that plays out in salvation. But, you know, when it comes to death, we're, Robert and I are going to refer to um, three things in particular that always seem to be the themes of separation. So one is, like he said in the, in the father-son analogy, one is the separation of intimacy, fellowship, okay, with our Creator. The second one is the separation of the privileges, the blessings of what that fellowship provided. So, you know, the privilege of, of having dominion, of being able to rule, the privilege of co-creating with our creator. Um, all of those things were wonderful privileges in the garden that were lost. And then you had the privilege of land, actual location. Land becomes a very important theme throughout all the dispensations as we get into Abraham and 
the promise to Moses, trying to make it to the promised land. And as we go all the way through this, it's always the hope of restoring all three of these things, Mm -hmm. restoring intimacy, restoring privilege, and restoring the position of land. And so this is going to be what we see is the, the desire for salvation. Let's get those things back. Lord said that he was going to provide those. He was going to provide a way for you to get those back. Hence, Jesus comes and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Three things. There's no, there's no mistake that three is an important number. The Holy Trinity, okay? And the way that he designed life. And so these three things that we were separated from become the three things that Jesus is offering when, when he comes and he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so we're going to see that throughout these dispensations as we get into the flood happening in wintertime during Noah's age, mm-hmm. we're thrown into a patriarch age, and that's where Abraham comes in. So we have the birth of a new dispensation with Abraham and the promises given to him. Abraham, if you'll but, you know, walk by faith in everything I tell you to do, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation and I'm going to give you a land. And so we look at his story in the same seasons of life that we just went over and guess where Abraham's dispensation ends. It ends in Egypt. Okay, so as we see the the fall happen and the people of God are taken as slaves and they're in Egypt, what do we need now? After this winter time, we need a savior. We need a deliverer to come and create springtime. Well, that's where Moses comes in. Moses comes, creates a springtime for the people of God in Egypt, takes them out of Egypt through some healthy judgments. And then Moses begins to take them after laying out the groundwork, (laughs) right? After laying out the groundwork for how to live. Okay, here are the Ten Commandments. Here's how God expects you to live. We've got to get Egypt out of you. And we've got to get God into you, okay, on how to please him. It's, um, you know, it's, and I want to pause for a second here. And we're going to visit this in depth in a future episode. But one of the most profound parts of my journey here in the last, uh, you know, three and a half years now has been to really understand what uh, Exodus number, Leviticus numbers, you know, those early parts of the Old Testament really mean to the the story of that is the New Testament. And the journey that happens in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers is a is it's really a, in so many ways, it's really our journey as New Testament living uh christians and mm. it's just it's it's been one of the the great revelations to what we've done uh you and i have done and and also the you know other places you know guys like chuck misler and and um frank viola and some other guys that just go you know this is what does chuck say is this, there's one thing you should do with every bible the first thing you do is rip one page <laughs> out of your bible the first thing you do and it's the page that yeah. says new testament um yep. but this is really all yeah. one story and everything that happens or all the stuff that is happening all that jesus brought is just was all founded or built on what god was trying to do in what were moses and the and the exodus was which was to set a people apart to set a person apart to make that person an example of what they um of what god meant them to be and we're going to find out as we go through her map here that that only one person really ever pulled that off 
right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's important, you know, what what Robert brings up in in Christ is because the New Testament tells us that the Old Covenant has types, shadows, and patterns of what is to come. And that's what we're taking you through. We're taking mm -hmm. you through the pattern of what is being fulfilled in Christ. So when, when all the Old Testament examples are brought back into the New Testament teachings and instructions to the church for a reason, okay? And, and this is what we'll explain in detail, in greater detail, Mm -hmm. As we get into all the episodes, all the fueling stations along the track. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's really profound for me. It's, it's, it's really been one of the, you know, one of the defining moments of my, of my journey as, you know, as a, as a Christian has been this, this story of what happened in the wilderness and what led up to the 40 years and, you know, what led up to finally, you know, them being, you know, let into or led into the promised land um uh, it's it's uh, there's something special about that to me so yeah um, and there's a there's something special too about um you know moses as he went up to the mount sinai to get mm -hmm. the tablets that god's um enlisted god's commands and he was in the presence of god he's shown with the glory of god That'll be a type and shadow, um, as we'll see later on. But the idea of, you know, God giving his people his commands and then Jesus saying, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. Yeah. And so the new covenant becomes an expression of how he came to do that. And so that's what we're going to teach you. And so as Moses, you know, parts the sea and Paul brings that back as an example to us running a race in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to hit that in detail. But even, you know, back in that race, there was again all four seasons. So we saw them going through the wilderness, which was summertime. And God saying, "Okay, let me make you into my people. Okay, let's get you, let's get you all trained up." And as they were living out their lives, we saw the consequences of the sin that um, they chose, and yep. and then they kept wandering around in the desert, not being able to go to the fulfilled goal, which was to make it into the promised land. Okay, which again, is the fulfillment of a promise, the promise of restoration, okay? And this restoration was, okay, I'm going to be your God in a new land filled with uh, milk and honey. I'm going to give you this land. I'm, I'll be with you. You're going to have dominion over the land. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, because it was yeah. what we lost. Right. And so, yeah, and so they end up, you know, um, as the story goes, they end up uh, failing to get there. God's having to judge them in the fall and into the winter time. Um, that leads us into the book of Judges. And we understand that Joshua was able to take, you know, a small remnant into the promised land. But even that experience became a experience of spring, summer, fall, and winter mm -hmm. because of sin. And so then we get into a new dispensation of David and the kings, okay, starting with King Saul and then going to David and Solomon and so forth. These kings experience the same thing. Now, I will say in every dispensation, what we see as a pattern is we see the, the promises of restoration getting closer and closer and closer. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, the longest reign with, with the most fulfillment happened in the dispensation of the kings. 
with King David and King Solomon, I mean, we see like, I mean, everyone thought, oh man, this is it. Yeah, we've got it. And, um, and yet, again, we have a destruction, a fall, judgment, a winter time with the separation of the kingdom, a division of the kingdom because of sin again. And then we have, um, after that, we have our fulfillment of our promise made back in Genesis. So the new dispensation begins with the birth of Jesus. It happens to begin again with a new birth. And that we'll see in the life of Jesus in that, in that really in that small 33 years, we have all four seasons expressed. So we have his birth, we have his life, we have the fall and we have the judgment that was put upon Jesus, Mm -hmm. but not because of his sin, but because he decided to be the lamb of God who took on the sins of the world. And so we have the same seasons, but for a different reason, which becomes a, a huge understanding in creating the new covenant, because it's only because that Jesus lived a sinless life and still took the judgment that we now have the hope of following him and having all of these promises fulfilled because we know he had the victory. And so looking at his then resurrection coming out of the tomb and looking at the birth of a new dispensation created by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which is the church age. And that's the age that we have been living in for a little over 2,000 years. And, um, and this is the dispensation that we have the privilege of showing you how this race unfolds in our dispensation. And if you wanted to take just a quick guess, if we've been in this dispensation for about 2,000 years, you know, what would be your guess, Robert, as to where we are seasonally in this dispensation? Well, I think, you know, we've, one of the other patterns that I've, I've observed through all of this seems to be that, you know, in the early parts of the age, things seem to go better than they do at the, at the near the end of the age, right? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, the new birth, uh, the spring is always... Uh, you know, is always, it's the best season. It's always the, you know, everything's fresh and new and, and stuff. And, and not to say that, you know, the disciples uh, and the apostles, you know, had it easy. They certainly did it. They had it probably harder than almost anyone else. Most of them were, were stoned or killed for what they believed and what they, what they said, but, you know, but, the, the growth of Christianity and stuff, the growth of, of God was, was most prevalent, most, you know, most hyperactive, most, you know, it grew the most in spring, which is what happens. Right. But near the end. And, 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 and to, to just say one thing about what you brought up, because there's a difference there. That's really important. Yeah. The privilege of suffering as Christ suffered is, the privilege of the new dispensation. Mm. So the disciples did not um, have all their hardships because of their own sin. Mm -hmm. They had the hardships because of the privilege of bearing the cross of Jesus Christ Mm. and doing the work of salvation, doing the gospel, doing the, the, the work that he had given them to do. It's no different in our dispensation, the privilege of suffering, not for our own sin, which Peter goes into this really big. He goes, what, you know, what benefit do you have of suffering for your own sin? You know, that that's mm-hmm. reaping what you sow. Right. But for, for suffering for Christ is a very big privilege. Right. And so, this becomes the privilege of our, of our race mm-hmm. that we all need to embrace. So, yeah. but to, to answer your original question, you know, 
as you read through each of these, each of the, the, the books on the ages, you know, that, and, and as ages come to an end, you know, it's really clear that, that things are get really, really messed up near the end of the age. Um, yeah. And, you know, I kind of tried to put myself in the position of somebody like, you know, who, who lived in, you know, the time leading up to world war one times of world war one and then, or world war two, or even the civil war, or even today, you know, you look at the Ukraine, right? Every generation has had its, yeah, this has got to be the end of times. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's Winter. not, yeah. yeah as, you know, we, we, but, um, man, it sure seems like we're, we're pretty deep into winter um, to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, you know, and I'm, and I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist at heart. I don't want to believe that, you know, um, but, uh, you know, that, that, that this is the end of times, but man, there's part of me that actually kind of hopes it is because I don't want it to get much worse than it already is. Well, amen to that because we as Christians, you know, are the ones who have the hope mm -hmm. of all hopes. So the excitement of the age we're living in, of seeing that we're knocking at the door of Christ returning, of him, you know, finally um, ending this dispensation and starting the millennial reign that yeah. he has promised is like one of the most exciting times in history. In fact, uh, we love Chuck Misler. You guys um, need to look him up because um, he had a wonderful uh, ministry um, that uh, he's passed away now, but is still going active with um, a lot of the elders that are continuing his ministry. It's called Koinonia House. But one of the things that... Um, uh, one of the things that we see is this promise of, of restoration and out of the Bible, more things are written about this time in history where the judgment would end the dispensation that we're in and begin the millennial reign of Christ. More has been written about this period of time in the Bible than any other period of time, mm. even including Christ and his first coming. Mm. So we're really living in, in, in exciting times. Yeah. And for us to see the redemption, you know, of God's people, to see how this all plays out is, is from our perspective, uh, I think, to be viewed as very exciting, especially if you're right with God. So, so keep yeah. one of the things that, that we're going to drive down a rabbit hole on in a big way is that that's not being taught. Um, and I just want it, it, it's going to explain or set up sort of the next slide here is the idea that Christ did not, did not lower the bar. Uh, he did not make it easier to accept, access God. He actually raised the bar. Right. And so in one way, he yeah. made it easier to access God because he, you know, he, he gave us God within us. But along with that came a great deal of responsibility and a great deal of expectations. And those expectations mm -hmm. really then play out in the road or the, this final journey towards Christ and towards God. Right. Yeah. So we're going to explain this um, paradox. And we're going to show that, you know, the offer of initial salvation that was um, offered through the work of Jesus Christ, which is his work in his life, in his crucifixion, in his death, in his tomb time, and then finally in his resurrection that we see that all the work that he came to do on, on our behalf and to get back the kingdom, to get back the rulership, um, he went through and he made that available to us. And so through faith in his work, 
we have initial salvation. But we will tell you that this initial salvation is only the start of the race. And so the, the difficulty is, is really truly not in receiving the free gift. The difficulty becomes that after we have been adopted into his family and then been given the free gift of his spirit, that now the work begins. Now our journey of summertime and being in the wilderness, going to the promised land and the promise of inheritance, the promise of, of future salvation that we will get into. Um, becomes the difficult path, becomes the narrow path. Right. And we're going to explain that in this next slide. So, yeah. So, so, yeah. So we've got what is really represented as the broad road or the, uh, the, the easiest path. Um, I think uh, Frank Viola calls it the libertine uh a doctrine which is well christ died for me that's all i need that was my get out of hell free card and i all yep. all i have to do is accept that he died for me and i'm given my get out of hell free card game and over <laughs> now uh, well yeah i know i'm a sinner and i can't live up to that standard so <clears throat> you know uh Vegas, obviously being Sin City, you know, is the, the root of this graphic. But, um, you know, even the Christian who doesn't go to gamble and and adultery and and, you know, all the things that happen in, in Vegas uh, that apparently stays in Vegas. Um, but and it represents. Yeah. yeah. But even the, you know, well, I don't have to try to, you know, uh, stop lusting after other women uh than my wife i don't have to try to you know not to do these things that distract from because god god let me after let, let me out of it by by dying on the cross for me so i don't have to i'm already a better person because i believe in christ and that's that's all i need that's all that that's all that god needs from me right, right? that's the easy yeah. path yep yeah Yep, and so we have that represented again just by the the big path. Yeah, and Jesus, because that's probably where story. most people are at, right? I mean, that's where probably most people are living yeah. their life. And let me, let me, and one well, thing I want to make sure that we yeah. clarify is is that a lot of people are on this path because they don't know any different. They haven't been told that there's mm -hmm. a different path, that there's a higher standard that they're supposed to to live to. Is that accurate? In some cases, yeah, it is, yeah. and um, and and we're going to kind of explain that because we're going to use an analogy of a coin, and the coin analogy I think becomes a great analogy to use in in a lot of applications, um, but in in particular in this application, as Jesus, you know, told this story of the um, narrow gate and the difficult path. Mm -hmm. And so that he wanted us to follow as his followers. And um, the broad path is what most people would take. And you got to remember, mm -hmm. most people means in him. So his people will take the broad road. Yeah. Okay. Most of them. And few will take the narrow path. Right. And so the coin analogy is basically this that there is the head side of a coin and there is a tail side to the coin. And the head side of the coin, as you'll see on our map here, uh, actually represents the strict law path that Jesus came against so stringently mm -hmm. in uh, the Pharisaic world as the leaders at, of, uh, you know, of the Sanhedrin, the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the lawgivers that were supposed to be representing the, um, the right way to live to the people. And, but yet they had gotten off and they had erred on the side of strict law path. 
And there's a lot of examples to that. And we're not going to go into that in this episode. No, but but it is safe to say that that the Pharisees or a version of that absolutely still exists in modern Christendom, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we have, we have what we would call just, you know, church denominations Mm -hmm. that choose to err on the side of wrath, right? Right. Choose to scare people into the pews. Yeah, choose that's the... Yeah, HFB guys at the bottom. HFB stands for Hellfire and Brimstone. That's right. Right. And yeah, again, has a form of the truth, mm-hmm. but lacks the power thereof. Right. And 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 that is what we need to rightly divide. We need to be workers who rightly divide the word of truth. And so the narrow path that Jesus presents is the edge of the coin. It happens to be the hardest place for a coin to stand. It's much easier for the coin to fall on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the other side, like, like Robert so eloquently uh, uh, illustrated, is in Vegas. The liberty to live in sin. The liberty to say, oh, you know what? grace 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 forgiveness 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 love 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 without the actual context of those words that jesus taught and so they twist it to get away with the pleasure of egypt sure so yeah guys listen i want to make sure that we we say out loud here because i'm like you know i don't want you to immediately start going and and passing judgment on where keith and i are coming from incorrectly um you know we're not saying that god doesn't forgive our sins and you know there isn't grace and 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 um opportunity for us to fail that's what sin means is failure to live up to a standard um to fail and recover and fail and recover right but to fail and fail and fail and fail and not recover to do the to do work towards being you know who god wants us to be who christ will ultimately require us to be to um we didn't get into this but for us to enter the kingdom of of heaven uh to enter god's kingdom we have to be clean uh that's a big part of uh of numbers and the end of leviticus is to to cleanse the people to be able to go into the you know in this case in that case it was the the um um i'm sorry it, it was the priests to be able to go into the temple well we are going to be admitted into the temple we have to be holy we have to be cleansed so if we are working on the narrow path to cleanse ourselves with the holy spirit's help we are helping christ do part of that work if we're going down the easy path not working hard to cleanse ourselves well when we get into the kingdom we're going to be cleansed um it's just a matter of you know if you had a you have a child and and you know what having a toddler was like then and you know that you put them in the bath and they if they don't clean themselves they're you they force you to come in and clean them and you have to get the, the sponge out and start scrubbing them and you know how much that toddler doesn't like that right um <laughs> there Until is a scrub- that. right yeah. <laughs> there's a scrubbing coming yeah. how much can we scrub yeah. ourselves uh and, leading and into our that message yeah our message is going to be a balance between the head side yeah and the tail side yeah. and and we're going to show you how the edge of the coin you know the teaching that jesus gave mm-hmm. truly shows that and one of the things that that i just feel compelled to read to you because i want to go back to scripture mm-hmm. is is you know this race that we're in in the spirit so the holy spirit is key to this dispensation the holy spirit was given as a helper okay as our guide as our spirit of truth and so i'm just going to read jesus's words and i want you to notice something because like i said this 
this whole understanding of triune, okay, becomes really important. Um, so look at the triune nature of this. As we're trying to be restored back to the triune promise of intimacy, privilege, and position, we're going to see another triune offer right here from the Spirit. I want to read um, real quick for you a passage out of John. It's going to be out of John 15 and 16. This becomes very important information to this race. And, and it's the race in the Spirit. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as so I've kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And so he goes into how this Helper will be our guide and he will guide us into the truth, and he will be our victory over sin. He will lead us into right living, which is righteousness, okay, which is the key to pleasing God, we'll, we'll see, and it's a key to the abundant life. Mm -hmm. And then into judgment, and judgment has two applications. It has good judgment, so evaluating right evaluating our lives and saying, well done, good job, here's your rewards, here's your inheritance, come into the pleasure of your Lord, okay? And then the consequences like Adam and Eve received for their sin and saying, you know what, you blew it, okay? And so there's going to be the consequences of blowing it, and we're going to talk about those as it pertains to this race. And so at the end of the racetrack, you'll see that it goes into the harvest, okay, at the judgment, mm -hmm. and then eventually goes into the promise of a new beginning. So that is the race. Yep. And those things we're going to talk about in uh, many upcoming episodes. So guys, we're, we're right at an hour here. We want to try to be respectful of your time. This one was a big one. We're going to try to keep these a little shorter in the future, but we wanted to go over the whole thing. This was, this was really, you know, there was a lot of important content that we wanted to kind of just at least push out there. And uh, I, we really, really hope you like this. Um, if you do, we would invite you to give us the, you know, the ratings on iTunes and on YouTube. So not, that we're going to make money off this because that's not the intent of race to the ministries, uh, race to the kingdom ministries, but that so others can find it. And um, if you have friends who will enjoy this, uh, share it with them. Uh, we're, you know, the purpose of our ministry is to is to bring about the end of the age. Uh, in Matthew twenty four, it says, you know, that that I will return when everyone has heard the words uh has heard the message of my kingdom and that is specifically what keith and i are trying to do here is to make sure that everybody has heard the message of the kingdom um so like us if you would like to uh comment or send us questions or debate with us we are absolutely happy to do that um the email is on the screen right now. Uh, if you if you do so, all that we ask is that we do this in a non-emotional way, that we, we do this on fact. If you think that we are wrong on something, find the scriptures for us and let us know. Uh, and when we reply to you, we will send you back the scriptures and the reasons that we think we are right or that you were right. And we will we will absolutely change what we what we think we we've discovered or what we have um we don't pretend uh, to know everything we do we do absolutely ass uh, assert that that keith has been given some um some prophecy some prophetic uh knowledge uh and a lot of it and has done a lot of of 
research and digging and and just spent a lot of time working through this and um but he's a humble guy and um uh, and i'm a humble guy we're we we don't want are not out here to try to shove some some alternate ministry down your throat some alternate view of christian christianity down your throat this is this is something that we really believe that is right and if you don't believe that we we appreciate being challenged with that we're going to wrap it up and we will look forward to seeing you or hearing you on the on the next episode say goodbye keith hey guys thank you have a good one